From First Paw Media, this is Canadian Challenge Tales. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe too. Your host is Dan Kirkup. Our executive producer is Robert Forto, created for First Paw Media. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Canadian Challenge. We are joined by Connor McMahon all the way from Carcross, Yukon. How are you doing tonight? Doing good, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, you making some time for us. Uh, I know you've got a busy race season this year and got some big plans, which we're going to talk about. Uh, you're coming out of Feral Racing, which is your kennel name, and uh, all the way up in Carcross. If you don't know where that is, uh, I think it's about an hour south of, of uh, Whitehorse, isn't it? Yeah, just a little closer from my place, about 38 minutes. Oh, that's perfect. Out there in the sticks yeah. where there's not many people around. Looks like there's some really nice uh, trails and a few other mushers out that way. Um, we're going to get to all this stuff, but want to get us started with learning a little about how you get into dogs, what what uh, attracted you to sled dogs, and, and what sort of maybe your first run was like. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been involved in dogs and interested about dogs like my whole life and started training when I was 16 years old I did train like bite work dogs guard dogs essentially and uh then ended up with this Malamute and he was a real bad dog so he, he needed a job and you know we were hiking a lot and then I also do a lot of fishing and I Go to ice fishing. I'm like, hold on, this is a mountain <laughs> sled dog, right? So I looked up some directional commands and stuff like that, and taught them to him, and built this little scrap sled out of old cross country skis and some wood to go ice fishing with with him. And like our first, like we went to this little park and tried it out, and it was amazing, right? I just loved the first ten feet of it. I was like, oh, okay, this is great. This is way more fun than fishing. So we ended up. uh not doing as much fishing as I normally do and more messing around with that. And then through the fishing, actually, I ended up uh, meeting Aaron Peck up in the Northwest Territories. And then, yeah, he gave me my first run on a dog team. And I forget how many dogs it was or how many miles, but we went in a big run out on Great Slave Lake and camped and kept going. And I was like, okay, this is, this is, this is even better. Let's, uh, how do I do nothing but this? And that's kind of what I've been doing since. Oh, that's fantastic. So I, I think you also did, um, you spent some time with Aaron. Uh, were you helping out his kennel? What, what was that like? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, I was with Aaron for uh, two years there. Uh, well, two winters. I would go guide or whatever in the summertime. But yeah, I, I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff from Aaron Peck. And yeah, it was uh, definitely beneficial to, have somebody like that take you under their wing and show you the show you the way to do it. Excellent. Is there a particular uh, tip or or lesson that he taught you that that still sticks with you? There might be more than one. Is there one that comes to mind? Oh yeah, yeah. There's multiple ones that are stuck with me. You know, I don't want to say like the cliche "don't let go" or something <laughs> like that. So, oh, you know, uh, yeah. He taught me. He taught me a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, can't can't think of any any like 
words of wisdom that ring through more than the other ones, right? So I can't think of anything right now off the top of my head. Oh, that's okay. Um, I know you came. Sure, we'll come to it. Yeah, I know you came with uh, with Aaron Peck out to Kane Challenge. Uh, that would have been in 2020. And uh, Aaron was in the 12 dog, and you ran a pretty strong team in the 8 dog. Do you, can you tell us a little about that race, how it went? Yeah, yeah, that was a... Uh... That was a really fun time. It was super cool having the two teams out of the one truck. And I've always kind of enjoyed that ever since, right? Like road tripping around with Aaron and going and racing and stuff. And the Canadian challenge. Yeah, that was a, that was an awesome time. I've wanted to get back to that race ever since we first, uh, first got out there. It was just an amazing place. And yeah, so it was a super cold, super cold night. The first night, uh, we had that we did that run it was like a 40 i'm probably going to be wrong about the mileage but i think it was like a 44 mile run and then we had a rest and then kind of like a restart onto the main race trail out towards la range and uh yeah going along that highway that was still probably one of my colder runs yet i don't know exactly how cold it got but i could feel it through like certain layers of gloves that are normally bulletproof for me to quite a good temperature but i felt it that night yeah it seems to be the common memory from people they remember a, a cold time i know when we had aaron on earlier this year um you know that's what we talked about was being cold at the challenge and it seems pretty consistent throughout so you know we'd lo- love to have you back uh it was a, an eight dog uh, 170 miles is where it was and uh you came in first place which was awesome was that the first race you had, or did you have another race before that, before you came to the challenge? Yeah, we yeah, we did the Caledonia Classic about two or three weeks before that. Oh, right on. Did you do the, was it yeah. would have been a seven dog, I think they have, 100 mile, or did you do the 200 mile version? No. Yeah, we did. I think it's a 10 dog, two, 200. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a blast too. That race really, really got me hooked. The first checkpoint on that one, I, you know, I was so nervous, right? Like so nervous. I pull up to the first checkpoint and Jerry Joinson comes over and he, Hey, you, you, you know, you want a muscle and he had a tin of muscles and a stick and he's like, here you are. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then you know, they're looking at each other's dogs and just talking about dogs. And I was like, Oh wow, this is awesome. If this was racing is let's just out here looking at each other's dogs and checking out good dog teams. I was like, this, that's awesome. Yeah. And we traveled again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Racing's sweet. And then we went over to the Canadian challenge after and it was just as good, just as much camaraderie. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Racing, racing's fun. Yeah, it's just really so it's training, but racing even. Yeah, yeah, wow. it's, it's incredible to me. I've, I've only been involved with mushing for a few years now. It's incredible to me to go to a race and see people be very competitive. The personalities can be very competitive. Not everybody is, but some can be. And yet they will happily stop, mill their race, help someone out, you know, give whatever extras they have at checkpoints. I just love that part of the community. Um, and it seems to be across the board. Doesn't seem to matter what uh, what race people go to. That's that's generally the community out there. Has that been your experience too? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's why I love being up here in the Yukon because it is such an amazing mushing community. And like, you can't do that. You can't do this, or it's very hard to do this without the support of a community around you, like the mushing world does have. And yeah, super grateful for that. Like all these, you know 
people have run all these thousand mile races and they've been around the sport for quite a while. And yeah, they're so they're forthcoming with all the advice and help that they can offer you. And yeah. So yeah, you probably noticed the same thing, right? We've been in mushing probably about the same amount of time and like, it's, it's incredible the support that you do get from people, right? Like, Oh yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's unbelievable. I, I have definitely haven't been involved, uh, as long as you have, I got, I got started in, uh, would have been in 2020 when I had my first dogs doing it and then didn't get, uh, into racing until last year did my first race. So like a two day, 40 mile okay. deal, but it was just awesome. Right. Like I've, I've much before right? like... went out with friends before, like do training runs together and stuff, but the race was just that much better. Cause it was just more people together and, and everybody's fantastic and helpful and want to give you advice. And, you know, even though you're competing against them, you, you still happy to share what they know and give tips or, or tricks or whatever, you know, maybe you should try yep. this or, you know, have a look at that. And it's, it's just been great. The other aspect about the race, um, certainly here with the Canadian challenge, you know, is a big part of it is, is the vet care and how much they're involved in not just wanting to keep the dogs safe, but oh, yeah. looking at how to help mushers be better. They're teaching us. Yeah. Yeah. We're, they're there for us to learn from as well. Right. Like they, so much knowledge. Yeah. I've learned so much from the vets. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's great to see that mentality from the vets that they want to improve dog care not just be, you know, police out there on the, on the trail. That certainly has not been uh, my experience at the challenge or, or the other race I've been to. They just want to help and, and want to make it better. So uh, it's right. Yeah. Just a great part of the, of the sport that I find. Uh, so after 2020, uh, is that when you got started with your own uh, kennel and your own, your own dogs? I believe, I believe so. Like I had my dog still in uh, 2020. They were just all youngins, right? So they're they're either doing tours with Megan Routley at King Mick, or they were uh, still pup pups. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I believe it was twenty twenty one when, uh, yeah, I started racing my own dogs. Excellent. So I know in twenty one you did the Yukon Quest, I believe, and then the one I wanted to ask about was the Yukon Journey. It's not a race I'd heard of before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was there was no Yukon Quest that year. That was a cool race. That was a super cool race. Uh, a super amazing time. Because I was up here uh, when COVID was like full bore, right? Yeah. So the Yukon Quest wasn't doing a race. Our borders were all closed. Like, so uh, Dog Powered Sports Association of Yukon. Their board, who was made up of like a bunch of Yukon mushers, just threw this race on kind of like super quick and like a race by Yukoners for Yukoners. It was it was a heck of a fun time. Yeah, that was that was an amazing race. Yeah, it, it uh, like I said, I, I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, when I was doing a little research for our chat, I went looking and it was a 260 mile race from what I can find. How many dogs in the team? Was it 12? Or ten, I don't, I don't even remember. I believe it was twelve dog. I think it was a twelve dog race. Nice. Um, so I think you also did another race through the same 
um, organization, which was Dog Powered Sports Association of the Yukon, uh, which I think was Carbon Hill. Is that, yep. is that a little bit yep. shorter race? I, I couldn't find much on that. Yeah, that's that's a four. Yeah, that's a forty mile race, and it's super fun. It's actually on my training one of my training trails here, uh, Alligator Lake Trail. So it's like maybe eighteen miles up, and then a little two mile flat up in the top of the mountains by this beautiful lake, and then you come right back down. And it's good. It's early in the year, kind of like a nice little warm up. Get the you know, get the rest off the dogs and maybe introduce some younger dogs to a start line, right? Without that much of a audience and pressure and, you know, get them in and out and it's fun. And yeah. Well, it sounds like a great experience as you get them ready for other races through the year, especially if it's early on. Um, and then the last one I wanted to talk about uh, from your, your past was Percy to Wolf, which I think three years in a row, which is generally... Uh, Dawson up to Eagle and then back to Dawson. I think a 210 mile nine dog is what they're doing these days. Yeah, it hasn't gone to Eagle in a number of years though. So we've been going to 40 mile and either doing a loop up the river just due to river conditions. Yeah, they we haven't gone to Eagle. So we've been doing other loops and stuff like that. So it's always been in between since I've been doing it. I think it's been somewhere from like 111 miles to 160 or something in and around those numbers. Oh, nice. Yeah, it seemed like you'd yeah. done well, you know, with a second place in each one. Uh, was it the same trail that they were using for Yukon Quest? Or is it a different portion of the river? So... That's normally is a Yukon Quest trail, but since I've been doing it, the uh, the quest hasn't hasn't been going through because they haven't had the thousand mile right, so they haven't had that section that they normally would in Dawson, continuing on to Eagle. And so I think that's also been a part of the issue that we haven't been going to Eagle in that race it's due to the quest hasn't been coming through. So it's strictly up to the Percy to Wolf board to get that uh, trail in. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of trail work if if it doesn't get used for other races yeah. or, or other people using but it. But yeah, it, it is a normal section of the Quest Trail, I believe, yeah. They go up there to 40 mile, and then they'll take 40 mile, or they do the or they do the, uh, the Quest on the Yukon all the way to Eagle, I believe. Nice. There's a couple of different options they do. Yeah, and then of course you... If I... If I, if I remembering right <laughs> <Of> <laughs> how was your uh your your run in the quest last year it was really good it was fun to go up there you know i experienced some hardships out there on the trail and that was nice to uh get out of the way and see how i react and recover from that so yeah always part of a learning so, experience out there well the headlights went down right and then that kind of bummed me out pretty good and I got quite down about that, but once the daylight came around and we got moving again, I brought myself back around and realized, you know, I'm still out there with the dogs having fun and yeah. Yeah. So more than one, uh, more than one system of headlight. Yes. Always good advice. Um, right. Yeah. You can have, you can have two spares, but if they are the same style on the same system, right. If, there was a reason the first one failed. It's most likely going to affect the second one also. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some good advice. Different ones. I know right? so, yeah. th there's a few races yeah, keep... that, that mandate multiples, but you know, that's, that's good advice to have two different
different options maybe not the same brand or the same model yeah, exactly exactly yep yep different different styles yeah yeah well in, <laughs> in in a race that's that long you also have drop bags is that something you would look at putting in a drop bag in the future or do you just put batteries oh, in yeah uh yeah i always like to carry like my headlamps with me but there are always either batteries or power banks or stuff to charge in the drop bags normally are they still those power banks they still have battery power if they've been stuck out in the cold for that long yeah yeah they uh they'll they'll hold it still pretty good i like to put them in like a insulated little thermos lunch bag okay yeah that's good yeah i find if they're on a full full charge they'll they'll still hold it in the cold yeah so then do you warm it up usually before you start plugging stuff in to try and help it out yeah yeah i always keep my main batteries warm and then also in those little lunch bags i throw in a few hand warmers okay to warm them up or you know say you keep like your spare battery in your pocket before you put it on to the headlamp right and keep that warming up and yeah there's just like a cycle that you kind of go through with the batteries nice so what what have you got planned for for race season this year i know we're into fall training uh i think you guys got some some snow up there maybe not enough to be on yeah sleds, we're, but... we're we're winter training now yeah yeah I'm, I'm on sleds now oh fantastic i'm jealous we we don't have yeah. snow down here um unfortunately so we're still rocking quads um but what what have you got going for this year we have the Yukon Quest 450, February 3rd, and then March 3rd, we're doing the Iditarod, rookie year in the Iditarod. Oh, that's exciting. Are you <laughs> ready for all of the logistical challenges of getting everything prepped and ready to go? Yeah, like, I don't want to say yes, because I'm not, but like, things are in, in the works for it all to be lined up and everything working good and like that's been a big draw of my focus this year actually and i wasn't really accounting for that is how much that race does entail you know and it it's a year-round thing right like already getting like drop bag stuff sitting there in bags ready to go just <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I know it's it's a lot of work um to do all of that and I, I know there's been several posts on online and stuff you can find about people that are putting stuff together and working on it and the, the hard part i would find is how do you predict because you have to drop them off so much earlier or, or ship them in or whatever it's just looking at it from how do you do it weeks or, or a month or whatever it is ahead of time how do you predict what it is you're going to need at each stop how much food how much this how much for your own stuff it's just it would be a lot to organize yeah i'm more worried about like having to send out my extra set of long johns and stuff right like what am i gonna wear for the rest of training season like i just don't have 14 <laughs> pairs of long johns around here i got like four right so how many are you gonna put in the drop bags what am i gonna wear the rest of the season like what am i gonna do the quest in <laughs> yeah how early do you have to send uh, your drop bag stuff in do you know i I, I I don't know, Dan. I don't know. Let's, okay. not, let's talk about something else. <laughs> I I know it just being that, that as far away, you know, not being in in Alaska or whatever, it just makes it a little bit extra because you have the extra time to ship it to get there yeah. in advance. You can't just so, drive like, down. I'm going. I'm going over on December second. Okay. 
we have a rookie rookie meeting in Anchorage. So I'm going over on December 2nd. So I'm going to. Nice. Are you going to stick around a little bit? Are you going to run some dogs where you're up there or do some training? No, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get right, right back here with, uh, get right back into training. And then, you know, like say when the copper basin or something's going on, maybe I ran up there and dropped my drop bags off to Laurel or, you know, somebody to drive over, drop them off early that way. Something like that. If you're listening, Laurel, (laughs) (laughs) there's your heads up, bud. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's, it's always interesting yeah, or to me just take, or just take a trip over you know and drop them off whenever they're due and then then bring the dogs when i do that and make a little fun trip out of it right yeah so it's always curious to me how people get uh you know get to know people over there and and how beneficial it is i know aaron talked about his time uh with martin boozer you know he handled for him and then kept going back to, to see him each year and, and hosting him for that. So how is it that you got to meet Loro or, or others up there to, to make this a little oh, easier? They're, they're all, they're all really awesome, right? It's the exact same as over here, right? They're all just mushers willing to help out and stuff like that. And me and Loro took a road trip from Fairbanks to Anchorage together to go sign up for the Iditarod in person at the uh, sign up barbecue they had. So that was a cool adventure, you know, we're both rookies and that was like the first step in it. So it was kind of nice to get that done together. It was quite the adventure. Yeah. Are you guys working on other stuff together, you know, with, uh, getting prepared or oh, we're strategies? Talk- yeah. We're talking back and forth about training and stuff like that. Uh, I sent them over three puppies, uh, mid summer here at the end of summer, I had a litter and he liked he liked what it was. I was like, hey, heck, man, let me send you a couple. I think Jesse Royer is going up there. There, put him on that truck. Yeah, it's, again, such a great community. It seems to shrink down, especially with the internet now and social media. It's easy to, to get in touch with people and, and connect and get others to help. It's it's really incredible how wonderful Oh, yeah. It it's, yeah, and it's, it's crazy, right? Because, like, what we do is such an analog thing. But like the technology, whether it's from our equipment, the nutrition for the dogs or, you know, the communication of us all together. It's, it's pretty cool how the technology benefits such a old thing. One, the, absolutely. The, the other part of it is that these races seem to be not just go and race dogs and see how they compare against others, which is always a fun thing, you know, but just to to be able to see people that live farther away, you don't get a chance to meet up with or see on a regular basis. That's, that's, that's the other side of it. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. And then exchange dog care tips. Like that's like one of my favorite things about racing. Like we were touched on earlier, like from the vets, but like from other mushers too, right? Like I've always been so grateful for that. You know, say another musher comes over and they're like, Hey, like I I noticed, you know, example, say you feed this way, like I feed this way and it benefits like this. And, you know, it might not always work for you in your circumstance, but it's just something else to think about. And like, maybe you find some sort of reason or something out of it. And yeah, always found that interesting too. Oh, it definitely. And, and it's, there isn't one secret to success because if there was, everybody would do it. It seems to be that you no, have to find it. different techniques and see what works with your team, your setup, you know, your, your plan. Yeah, there's a thousand different ways to chase a cat, right? Yes. <laughs> um, so I know you're doing uh, 
Are you, you have some tours listed as well. Are you still doing a few tours this year as you get in prepped for a I, season? No, I, I try not to do tours. As, uh, I kind of do them as like a last resort. I'm just so busy trying to make everything work on like the race end and stuff like that. Like I go do uh, tours and help out and subcontract here and there okay. for places. Uh, yeah, mainly, mainly if we're running out of gas come race season, you'll definitely see me <laughs> doing some tours. So yeah, most likely we'll be doing some tours. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems to be a good um, a good community up there, and and you know, always nice to help out when it's busier time or when people need that extra little boost to make it to the next the, the next step, the next month, the next race, whatever it is. Right? It's uh, especially with the cost going up and, and, and stuff, it makes it a little more difficult. So glad you got uh, some options at least. So is there a a good way for people to, to find you, follow you, you know, uh, to, if they want to follow along with your progress this year? Yeah. Like uh, my, my Facebook or my Instagram, uh, Feral Racing Yukon. Uh, I try to try to post on there quite often, but seem to have some sort of issue with, cell phones and survival rates so <laughs> if there's a month hiatus it's everything's still okay we're just down a cell phone <laughs> yeah well we'll make sure we include uh links for those in the show notes below so anybody listening wants to uh check them out follow along you certainly can find them there uh you touched on a little earlier about how it takes uh, you know a lot to do this and and what so i want to give you a chance if there's anybody or or any um businesses or whatnot that are helping you out if you want to uh, send a thank you to anyone or or uh anybody that's helping out oh yeah there's there's quite a few appreciate that uh dog's choice dog food for sure they're uh they're one of our main if not main sponsors there they've helped us out for a number of years uh it's best quality dog food i've ever seen (laughs) i would be getting it either way uh so yeah, it's for sure them, man mad harnesses to keep our dogs and nice harnesses and nice collars there and I love their product as well. Bath and boots to keep our feet nice and warm. Real Canadian dollar store and white horse. So the the other thing that our, our fans really love hearing about is the dogs. And I'm not gonna ask you to pick a favorite because that's not fair. What I like asking about is has there been a dog that exceeded expectations or stepped up at a, at a important time when, you know, you needed a dog to be stronger or, you know, weren't sure how they're going to run and they really exceeded what you thought. Oh yeah. Pretty well. Every single one of them has exceeded any sort of expectation or hope that I ever had of what they could or would do. They've, uh, they've always surprised me and blown me away. The, The entire team, uh, We've had a couple of late bloomers, a couple of superstars that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, a few years in, they just kind of stepped up and they're like, yeah, this is this is what I can do. And that, that's always amazing to see. Like, I run my two lead dogs almost every race, every time is Mako and Grotto. They, they're a special partnership I got up there and... Uh, yeah, they're they're the yin and the yang, right? The Mako's the brains, Grotto's the bronze, and they're just they're a wonderful team up there. Like, yeah, 
she's uh she's exceeded my expectations sometimes we were lost in a quest race over in uh alaska and we were totally lost off the trail Grodo wanted to jump down this big embankment or into some glaciation and go where there's open water and it was just crazy ideas he had there but i couldn't see what he was looking at and he was just harness banging and had the rest of the team all excited to go and i was thinking it was the way and i was about to let off the brake and let him go and then mako i noticed had turned around and was sitting and staring at me and i was like oh that dog's never done that before <laughs> i should go take a look and yeah sure enough i went up there and it would not have been a good scene if we went over that embankment so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty impressive that mako had the the brains to give me a signal there that we shouldn't do that well it's it's always incredible how they can find a trail and, you know, it, it's got to be instinct, memory, uh, you know, the feeling they have in their feet trying to find it. It's it's pretty awesome to watch. Yeah, I followed Michelle Phillips trail up uh, up a mountain there last year, and I got no idea how her lead dogs stayed on that trail as well as they did. Like you would have been hard pressed to do it and broad daylight with a snow machine and it was yeah that was uh it's so impressive to see the way they do it well that's just fantastic and that you have a uh, a pair there that does really well are they dogs that you had yourself out of your own litters or did you manage to get them from another kennel no so uh i've taken in one or two dogs from other places over the years but uh pretty well everything i race with and run with now is uh from the original group i got from cody lee they were all just pops and yearlings and yeah mako and grodo were yearlings or like just little babies when i got them there and uh grodo i think gets traced back to michelle phillips and then mako i think gets traced back to mitch cv's kennel excellent so if you're having your own litters do you have a theme for each litter or do you use letters how do you come up with oh the yeah names? I, I, lo I, I, lo I love themes always got to try to do themes is there <laughs> you know, the, maybe the last litter you had can you share a little more uh the favorite well the last litter i had was a mushroom litter so there's morale turkey uh button oyster and then there's uh the three that I sent up to Loro, but the my favorite my favorite litter theme I ever did was the Talladega Knights litter. So Ricky and Bobby, and then Walker Carcross Ranger because I live in Carcross, and then Shake and Bake, the two females. <laughs> That's awesome. See, this is the stuff that people love hearing about. It's just so great that they come up with different themes and names, and and so it's just. Oh, I love yeah, and I'm, I'm always looking for good, good, uh, good litter litter themes here. I got I got my next one done up. It's going to be bank robbers, famous bank robbers. Oh, that's that's a good one too. Make sure nobody else oh, yeah, steals it from you. Horrible customer service at horrible customer service at TD there, right? And I was so upset, and I was like, this will, this will be my little shot at retaliation. <laughs> glorify some bank robbers <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> well 
Well, that's fantastic. You know, it's been great, um, you know, sitting down and have a chat and get to know a little more about you and, and you know, what you've been up to, what you're planning this year. Um, we know Iditarod's a big race, lots of uh, lots of work to organize, but it's also, you know, a, a difficult thing to to cover in terms of finance is pretty, uh, pretty tough to do. So is there a way that people can, can help you out with that if they're interested? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, that's, yeah, that's our main concern right now with racing. Like the dogs are good. We got the good trails. We got everything like that. It's, it's the gas money and the hotel money for the racing and to make sure the handler teams get there and stuff like that. And yeah, I got, uh, I got lots of sponsorship options open and, uh, Connor, uh, yeah, any any way of contacting me on the Facebook or the Instagram, uh, the email is right now is feralracing.com, I believe, or Connor McMahon1555 at gmail.com. Yeah, we'll make There's, sure we uh, include your website below as well. It's got all your contact information on there and people can come and find you in case they want to have a chat about how they can help out. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Or if anybody's got any questions ever to dogs or anything like that, I'm always happy to talk dogs. Excellent. Well, thanks again for taking the time to join. It's been a, a blast and uh, wish you the best of luck with the race season and, and looking forward to following along. Thanks, Dan. You you too, man. I hope uh, happy trails, bud. And if you're ever up here in the Yukon, you definitely, definitely got to let me know. Will do. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Connor. Yep. Not a, not a problem. Talk to you later. Bye.